Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uvalde Reports. Well, the second presidential debate is now history, and it turned into a raucous night as Donald Trump seeking to stabilize his campaign after a release of inflammatory, lewd remarks about women were made on a video about 11 to 12 years ago. And during the debate, right off the gate, he attacked Hillary Clinton's character and honesty over her continued email scandal and other issues. Now, as expected, Hillary came out firing as she challenged Donald Trump's fitness for office and temperament as presence regarding his crude remarks in the video um, that was released about women and his past statements revealed. And this kind of, to her, revealed his true persona, what it really is. Now, for the first 30 minutes of the debate, Donald Trump had to defend and repeatedly apologize for the 2000 um, released audio tape, make, or he makes comments and he openly talks about his treatment of women. And he downplayed it as just locker room talk or locker room banter. He apologized. He it said it sickened him that he or he was very embarrassed by that. But he still stuck to his guns that this was just locker room banter, and he never engaged in any type of or actually took it to the next level where he engaged in this type of activity against women. But that was the first um, thirty minutes of the debate, and then the, he tried to pivot his remarks to other issues, and then he and part of that pivot was to attack Clinton over her or over former President Clinton's treatment of women during the 1990s and her um, attacking those women who brought charges against her husband. So it's just one of those things. And many expected that uh, Donald Trump would self-implode after the release of these videos. And they were kind of looking forward that he would come out just swinging and attacking to see how he would perform one challenge with these allegations. But unfortunately for Trump and unfortunately for the audience, didn't turn out quite like that. Donald Trump did um, try to steer clear and try to push it off and try to get back to the issues. But I would still say that he lost the debate. It's not that Hillary Clinton did really well. I mean, I think she just did fine. She didn't self-implode. There was times that she was rattled by this new strategy by Donald Trump. But the reason why I gave the victory to or Hillary Clinton won, it was only a slight win is because for the first part of the debate, it was all talking about Donald Trump's temperament, his comments about women, is he fit for the office? And it seems this late in the game, as we're weeks away from the election, that we're still talking about Donald Trump's fitness for office and some of the things he did about um, women. So that's why I gave Hillary Clinton a narrow edge in victory of last night's debate. But the real sad part, the real loser in the debate was the American people. Because throughout the debate last night, both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton spent almost the entire night attacking each other and little time addressing the core issues of voters, and that's the economy. Now, it just seems like Trump and Clinton were just constantly going at it with each other over character issues. But even when they were asked questions, they just never came out with what their policy uh, positions would be. They just attacked each other. And there are certain issues that, and this goes to the moderators too, there were certain issues that weren't asked. Nothing was asked about the national debt. The national debt 
will be about almost $20 trillion when Barack Obama hands the, the reins of the presidency to either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. And for the last eight years, we've added another 10 point something trillion dollars to the national debt. So how are we going to fix this? And these candidates didn't even discuss it. The moderators didn't even ask it. So we're still going through this. And little was, it's strange on this one, little was asked about the economy beyond talking about taxes. And this was almost 40, 45 minutes into the debate that they started to ask questions on the economy. And that was just on taxes. And considering how would these candidates revive the anemic U.S. economy, which we're still experiencing the weakest recovery since the end of the Second World War. Very li almost little to nothing was discussed on this. And this is the Americans' biggest concern. Wages have stagnated. Jobs haven't been created. People can't find work. If they do, it's part-time or far below what they're uh, capable of doing. So how are you going to do this? Nothing like this was, was discussed. And all they did was attack each other. And they also, the other thing that was interesting, they never addressed um, health care. Health care costs are rising. Now, there was really only one question regarding this. Now, both candidates were asked a question on health care, and it went something like this. The afford, this is what a questioner asked. The Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, is not affordable. Premiums have gone up. Deductibles have gone up. Co-pays have gone up. Prescriptions have gone up. And the coverage has gone down. Now, what will you do to bring, bring the cost down and make coverage better? Now, neither candidate even remotely addressed what the questioner even asked. How do you bring costs down and make coverage better? Now, this is where the moderator should have followed up and asked both Clinton and Trump how they would bring costs down and make coverage better. But they failed in this regard. Now, they fit the failure by both Clinton to address this question is going to be felt by the public on November 1st. This is when the next Obamacare enrollment period begins, when the public finds out that they will have higher cost, fewer choices than they had before. Now, Clinton mentioned all the positive aspects of Obamacare when she was addressed. She was the first person to, no, I'm sorry, Donald Trump was the first person and she responded to that. But she responded all to the positive aspects of Obamacare. More people have coverage, and also you can for the young people, you can stay on your parents' plan until age 26. The problem with that, neither uh, she wasn't pressed on the fact that, yeah, people have coverage, but who's paying for it? These are people who typically are sick or unhealthy, and it's being paid for by those who are, are healthy. And that was the whole premise of the Obamacare systems. But the real pain is now being felt and will be felt um, – into the next administration. So what was her plan? How would she, she wants to expand Obamacare, but she never went into how that would be done. Now, Donald Trump, he wants to repeal and replace it, called it a catastrophe. It's not providing what it said it was going to do. You can keep your plan, keep your doctor, that all proved false. But he never stated how he would fix it, what he would fix it. And then the biggest question is, whoever becomes president is not going to enjoy that supermajority one party rule that Barack Obama enjoyed. So you're going to have to work with the other party. And I would seriously doubt that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are going to have any support from the Republicans or Democrats 
if either one takes office. So this is going to be an interesting thing. But again, they failed to address the topic, the question, how would you increase coverage and drop the cost? That was not asked. Then they, there was talk about really the only question on the economy was taxes. And, that's, and it just went back and forth about who's going to raise taxes, who's not going to raise taxes. You took deductions and you didn't pay taxes for um, to, the, to, the, um, to, to pay for some of these things that everybody else pays. So it, it's, it's, it's a sad state. Now, Clinton's, um, the, I guess the question was, and the, uh, let's see, how, would you, how would you make the wealthy, that was the question, I'm sorry, how would you make the wealthy pay their fair share? That was the question. How would you make to ensure the wealthiest Americans pay their fare in, um, in taxes? Now, Trump responded he would get rid of the carried interest. He would also have um, a sharp reduction in taxes for the wealthy. Now, and he really criticized um, Hillary Clinton for when she was in the U.S. Senate for eight years. She never got rid of this. This shared uh, carried of interest is if you have a loss like Donald Trump has, you can move it over to for, uh, the subsequent years. This helps small business at least be able to start a business. And she and he said, you've been there for eight years. Why didn't you do it? And I think their argument was kind of weak. Well, there's a Republican president. Well, did she even mention that I tried to get it through? She just said, well, there was a Republican president. That's not really a great answer because we could go back and forth with that. Democrats and Republicans in the past had to work together. But Donald Trump never addressed the issue, the question at, at the point of the question is, how do you ensure the wealthiest Americans pay their fair share in taxes? Now, the two largest tax cuts in recent years were Ronald Reagan in 1981 and 86, and then John F. Kennedy um, in 1963. But each of them understood that if you reduce taxes, you also have to re- make sure that those who pay taxes pay taxes. And what they did is they put in the deductions that you can't deduct anything more than $50,000. Well, most of average Americans don't even come close to that. So they saw their tax rates drop, but also the wealthy paid their fair share because anything after 50000 they pay taxes on it. But the rates dropped, and they got rid of a lot of the loopholes. That's where the economies boomed in the, in the mid-'60s and right after uh, the recession of 81 and 82. So... But, no, but he didn't specify that. He didn't even mention that. Now, Clinton's response to the very same question, again, how do you ensure the wealthiest Americans pay their fair share in taxes? Now, her response was to, it was a rebuke of Trump's tax plan, and she stated it was a huge win for the wealthy and corporate America. Now, her argument was under a Clinton tax plan is that no one making less than $250,000 will have their taxes raised. Now, President Obama made the same claim in 2009, and his statement was, I can make a firm pledge. Under my plan, no family making less than $250,000 a year will see any form of a tax increase, not your income tax, not your payroll tax, not your capital gains tax, not any of your taxes. Well, this was proven false. In the, proven false. the moderators never pressed Clinton how her tax plans would be different from President Obama. So, and that was really the only questions about the economy was taxes and um, health care. There was nothing about the national debt. There was nothing about Dodd-Frank. 
There was nothing about helping small business. There was nothing about you know infrastructure spending. There was none of this stuff. Those were the two questions. The vast part of the, de- the, the uh, debate was on attacking each other's characters and not addressing this issue. And this uh, flipped over when they got into foreign policy. It's the, the big question on foreign policy was just on two issues, really. It was on the Syrian civil war and the fight against ISIS. And when I was listening to both candidates, it's like, do you guys even understand the Middle East? Now, Donald Trump made a, um, a flub when he said Russia is attacking ISIS. Russia is not attacking ISIS. What Russia is doing is they're attacking anybody that's in opposition to the Assad regime. If that means ISIS, yeah. But that's only in conjunction with keeping Assad in power. Most of their, their attacks have been against the Syrian rebels, which we support. And now they're pretty much on the verge of um, elimination from here. Hillary Clinton keeps going back to, we got to get the Arabs on board. She didn't talk much about the Iran nuclear deal. And that's kind of like the 800-pound gorilla in the room because you can't solve the ISIS-Syria situation without addressing Iran. And specifically, when we gave, unleashed, un, un, took off the sanctions and gave Iran $1.7 billion and gave them some money, like I think it was like $700 million a month up until they signed the agreement, This all this is going to do is help fuel money to um, Assad, Hezbollah, which is a Shiite terror group in Lebanon, helping Assad and spending the money in um, Iraq. So it's not doing anything, and neither of the candidates addressed this. And then the strange thing, both Trump and Clinton never brought up, nor did the moderators mention that Russia moved highly mobile S-300 anti-air missile systems to the northwestern uh, Syrian port of Tartus. This is where they have a naval base. And since no other actor in the area has aircraft capabilities, this was solely aimed at the United States. And remember, last week, a Russian major general threatened to shoot down any aircraft attacking Syrian government forces in a direct hint at any possible U.S. attack on Syrian forces. This was directly linked to the United States. Didn't say the United States, but we everybody knew who he was talking about. Nothing was mentioned on that. So none of the moderators, nor Trump or Clinton, even commented on this changing development. And little was made of the Iran nuclear agreement and its impact in the region. Our Sunni allies in Israel despise this agreement. So how is Secretary Clinton going to get the Arabs on board when they just do not like this agreement? It's an athem to them. So how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Now, the only questions on foreign policy centered on Russia, Syria, and ISIS, but all in the conjunction of that catastrophic uh, civil war in, um, in Syria. Nothing was asked of China and the South China Sea. Nothing was asked of international trade. Nothing was asked about immigration, especially now we're seeing a replication of the 2014 undocumented minors coming into the United States from Central America. And now we're seeing a, an influx because word has spread throughout the southern regions of the um, of Mexico in Central America, uh, Latin America, Latin America, Central America, that this is your time to come. No one knows what, everybody knows what Trump would do, seal the border. No one knows what Clinton would do, but they feel this is the time. If you want to get to the United States, come now. Nothing was discussed about that. Nothing was discussed about 
the potential collapse of Venezuela, uh, of Venezuela. Nothing was, uh, just nothing was discussed on some of these issues. It was just always on Russia, Syria, and ISIS. So I go back to the real premise. I mean, we're looking at who won, who lost between Trump and Clinton. And I said, because just the fact that we spent so much time dealing with Donald Trump's fitness for office and the comments he made. So you got to give the narrow win to Clinton. But the real loser in this debate is the American people. Here we are having the weakest economic growth since the end of the Second World War. Jobs aren't being created. We have, this year, we're probably going to be at 1% growth. That's it. 1% growth for this year. And now we're looking at, we're not sure if the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. That could shock the market and collapse of the, the stock market or severe drop in the stock market. How are people going to find work? I mean, these are some of the things that we're, we're facing. And then the, um, the unattended consequences throughout the United States is the debt, the national debt. Then you go to the states. Now, the, the, the president has not much say on this one, but each of the states have massive debt they have to pay off. And these are your pension li- unfunded pension liabilities. This hasn't been f- factored in. A lot of these Rust Belt states are broke. So what is the plan? They didn't talk about anything regarding the inner cities. Trump men- kind of mentioned it. But they didn't say, what would you do to revive inner city, inner city America? What would you do about education, since the United States is almost middle of the pack with education? A lot of the key issues were not to, discussed in the um, domestic arena, nor were they discussed in foreign policy. And it's kind of ironic that the, um, the moderators, and I'm not trying to ping on Anderson Cooper and Martha Raddatz, uh, Martha Raddatz from ABC and Anderson Cooper from CNN, but they don't challenge these candidates. And now we're weeks away. We have one more debate left, and that is with Chris Wallace of Fox News. We'll have them, I think it's on the 29th of October. So we have one more debate. The election is November 8th, and we still don't know what kind of policies are going to go. We're just going to keep attacking each other. So whoever gets elected is going to be just come bloodied across the finish line, and we're going to have a rough four years. So let's hope these moderators start asking these questions and quit messing around with the character assassinations of each other and get to the heart of the matter. Otherwise, we're going to pay a huge price in America if we don't start asking some tough questions now. And that's the whole purpose of Ubaldi Reports. It's not to take, I'm not here to take a partisan stance. I just want tough questions asked. I would love to ask these candidates tough questions. But I'm not the power elite, so you're not going to see me asking tough questions. But again, this is what Ubaldi Reports is for. If you want to read more, go to Ubaldi Reports. You can go on Twitter, Facebook, go to iTunes, look me up on Stitcher and on iTunes. Put comments down what you think of this podcast. What do you want to listen to? What do you want me to research? And also, if you get a chance, go to Amazon and any of the major bookstore manufacturers, including Barnes & Noble, and get my book. It's called The New Business Brigade. Why Businesses Should Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. Again, let's get, let's get these candidates at answering these tough questions. Otherwise, it's going to be a long four-year ride. So if you get, keep on listening to Ubaldi Reports, let your friends listen to Ubaldi Reports, and listen next time to Ubaldi Reports.